0: Welcome to The Legendary Tales. I am one of your hosts, Isadora Martin-Dye.
1: She's joined by me, Adam Bloor. I'm your other host.
0: Yay. All right. So this is a podcast where we tell you about legendary things, myths, and all general manner of stuff you may have heard of but know nothing about and want to know if there's any truth to it.
1: Yeah, or if you just want to hear us talk about things that you already know about.
0: All that. So last week we did something that I think Generally was more kind of intellectual and cere- cerebral. we talked about buildings
1: I wouldn't I mean cerebral makes it sound very self-important, doesn't it?
0: Okay, we didn't talk about ghosts
1: yeah, or spooky wood monsters.
0: but this week we are back true to form yeah,
1: well, yes, absolutely
0: and we are doing stuff that is spooky,
1: yeah, like we do every week, except for last week.
0: You did an asylum last week. I guess that was a little spooky.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, we both agreed that there was a bit of a positive twist to it.
0: Yep, and we always like a good positive twist. Mm-hmm. I have to say, mine doesn't have a lot mine of Mine doesn't twist. have a
1: super positive twist.
0: Cool, great. <laughs> um, and if I'm correct in thinking I was up first last week, which means you are up first yeah, this week. Yeah,
1: it's an odd episode. That means I, I'm going to lead this discussion.
0: Tell me about it.
1: Okay, so I, this week, I think at the end of last episode, we said we were going to talk about campfire stories yeah that changed so i shifted and pivoted slightly and i'm going to talk about shinigami this week have you ever heard of shinigami
0: no idea it sounds japanese
1: very japanese uh they are uh the japanese gods of death they vary they vary very much (laughs) from from western ideas of gods of death so we'll talk about that a bit and uh yeah talk about some japanese stuff
0: sweet sounds good
1: okay so first i'm going to talk a little bit about some japanese history specifically the I believe it's pronounced Edo period, which is the period from 1603 to 1868. And it is marked by a severe sense of Japanese isolationism
0: and amazing architecture. Yeah,
1: Um, there I I read a lot about architecture, entertainment. Um, A lot of this boomed when Japan was sort of like Japan for Japan.
0: It's when we, I I think, also if we ever get to it, we'll talk about kabuki theater. I think.
1: Oh, I talk about kabuki theater. You learn
0: about kabuki theater. Yeah,
1: I talk about kabuki theater in this episode. Wonderful, because
0: we were talking about how you didn't know anything about it.
1: Yeah, which I had forgotten that we had even talked about it. (laughs) Yeah. So this period in Japanese history marked economic growth, strict social order, isolationist foreign policies, a stable population, a no wars policy, and popular enjoyment of arts and culture. Sounds great. Yeah, well, this is not Kinda. a bad. This is not a bad time for Japan. They 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 very much do isolate themselves, but it, it you know, in that in no war, no war, but in, and in, in that isolation, they manage to, to really very much develop their culture. Sweet. So I'm gonna focus on the growth of entertainment because this is how we get to kabuki theater. Okay. So during this period of isolation, uh, a lot of things developed in the entertainment industry in J- Japan. A few things we have are the Kinzai, man, I'm sorry again, don't speak Japanese, the Kinzai kutacho.
0: We need to just put a disclaimer at the beginning of every single podcast we do. We are going to butcher the words. We
1: should just, yeah, film like a 30-second sting, which is a, the Kinzai kutacho is a poetic meter, um, and it's still used in folk music, so a lot of the stuff that I talk about sticks around for a very long time. And uh, Kabuki Theater, look at that, we got there already. Uh, which is a style of dance drama, and it's style like, incredibly stylized and a very elaborate sort of theater production. I watched a few videos. It's like when you think of a caricature of Japan almost.
0: It is weird. Yeah. And it's also hard to, I think, follow if you don't understand what it's supposed to be about.
1: Yeah, uh, that seems to be uh, pretty common, because I had a really hard time following a lot of it. In 2005, it was... Listed as an intangible heritage, uh, processing outstanding universal value. So it's sort of seen as this very Japanese thing, and it's very important to the history and culture in Japan. So in this period of Japanese isolationism, a playwright was born. His name was Chikamatsu Manzaman. He, that was his like playwright name.
0: That sounds well pronounced. Thank you. I think
1: I well I, <laughs> luckily for me, I found a video on YouTube of someone talking about this guy, and so I managed to sort of eke it off that. But he's described by the Encyclopedia Britannica as the greatest Japanese dramatist. Okay. He's well known for his productions of Bonraku, which is puppet theater, which I don't know if you ever, did you see any of that when you were in Japan?
0: I actually, we didn't even see Kabuki because I believe that there's a, I've seen Kabuki online and stuff, but um, I believe that there is a Kabuki season when Kabuki happens or there's periods of Kabuki plays Mm -hmm. and we weren't. There when oh kabuki that's a shame that's a shame we were there at the cherry blossom period so maybe they're
1: they just, just don't just line celebrating
0: up. At other stuff at yeah that
1: point. so kabuki theater is all people which would be a yeah. bit evident based on it being a play uh bunraku is puppet theater um, and if you watch it on YouTube it's very interesting you have three like grown men puppeting like a very small woman it's just kind of funny to watch so now <laughs> unfortunately. Talking about Japan in the 1600s, we're going to get a bit into the slightly sinister side of these plays often dealt with themes of double suicide and honor-bound lovers.
0: Oh, yeah. Because, because we
1: talk about death in this episode. He's, well, and, uh,
0: and the Japanese historical fascination with suicide. Yeah.
1: Uh, Chikamatsu uh, was most well known for his Seewa Mono. Uh, oh, my Lord. Chingamatsu was best known for his Mono style of bunraku. Uh, that's a, a quote-unquote domestic tragedy. So he was his most famous Monos are the courier for hell, the love suicides of Aimejima, and the battles of Kungsinga. He he basically wrote of like star-crossed lovers who, out of their honor for each other, end up killing each other, themselves and each other.
0: So I think that there, so there's a movie called The King and I, which I don't know, I'm assuming other people other than me have seen it. It was a fairly well-known movie. And I believe in that they actually have some Kabuki theater, which is probably where I first heard about it. Or whatever, he's the king of Siam. Um, mm-hmm. So a similar version. And that's also about star-crossed lovers. One ends up dead. It's apparently a fairly typical theme.
1: Yeah, it's it's fairly common. I mean, it's common enough that it has its own name. Yeah. It's called a domestic tragedy. I trust me, we're getting around to what I'm what I'm actually talking
2: about here very shortly. So his
1: <clears throat> So in the 1600s in his Seiomonos are the first time that we see mention of Shinigami. So if you think about how far back Japanese folklore goes, the 1600s is fairly recent. Okay. Um this is because they Buddhism the the common religions in Japan are Buddhism Shintoism and I think Christianity's on uh, Christianity's on the very very bottom but when we talk about spiritualism and Buddhism and Shintoism they don't talk about gods of death specifically they don't have like a belief that gods do that sort of thing. Oh. Um so that's why we sort of see it in the fol- the popular like folklore and plays of the time and it might also just be kind of like a mistranslation i think
0: which bit that they that they didn't believe oh, in them or that these so, were them?
1: so the word shinigami the kanji for shinigami um is god of death the death bringer or death spirit but like all things in japanese the kanji is very contextual contextual so depending on how it's used in a in a sentence it could be a physical manifestation of Death, a god, a spirit. So,
0: are we talking, um, I mean, putting it in Western terms, Mm -hmm. which obviously doesn't devalue, are we talking the Grim Reaper or are we talking like the King of Hell?
1: So, that's a good question. Um, We're not talking about the Grim Reaper because the Grim Reaper is seen as, I think in the West, we have this slightly malevolent thought of. The bringer of death, because Mm -hmm. of because of Christianity, I I think like it's sort of like the end of your life. Where in religions like Buddhism or Hinduism, which also have Shinigami, I believe, you have this cycle of reincarnation of rebirth. So it's Mm -hmm. just sort of leading you to the next step of your life. Okay. Um, and there's also more than one. It's the Shinigami are never described as like a a single entity. Okay, they are multiple.
2: Spirits, yeah,
1: or yeah. yeah, we'll get into That's that a little bit as okay. well. Um, yeah, and they also, and again, like, since they are so new, relatively, their inter the interpretation of shinigami has shifted, like, even in the last 30 or 40 years. Oh. So, I'm gonna talk a little bit about a modern anime cool. once we get to the end of this. So, I'm gonna, yeah, go back into religion a little bit. Um, in Buddhism, you have Mara. Uh, The one who delights in destruction, and they are often portrayed as the quote-unquote god of death. Um, This god attempted to seduce Prince Siddhartha the night of his enlightenment with attractive women. So you'll see this a lot as well as Shinigami, as well as dealing in death, tend to deal with what are called the unskillful emotions, which are emotions that don't bring about any sort of, I think what I read was positive sort of change in you. So things like greed, hate, or delusion. I'm assuming lust is in there as well. It's, it's
0: like the seven. Deadly it sounded sins. a
1: bit like seven deadly sinsy, yeah. Um, and another arm of Buddhism, uh, a writing called the Yoga Kara, which is the a sect of Buddhism that focuses on the cognition cognition. In yog, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> In another arm of Buddha, Buddhism, a, I think it's a sect. A sect might not be the right word, but it's the Yogacara, which focuses on cognition, perception, and consciousness through meditation. There are demons that decide the time of your death. So okay,
2: death, like Just like fate. fates, yeah, okay. a bit
1: like fates, but a bit more physical and a bit more active, okay. like seeking you out almost. You have Yama, the king of the underworld, and... I just wanted to mention this because it sounds kinda of funny. Two Oni, who are mentioned in Ooh. And so another example of things that could be considered Shinigami are the two Oni oxhead and horse face. They're uh kind of yokai, so we're back on these again. But Oni specifically are considered grotesque and hideous. They're guardians of the underworld.
2: Oxface ox
1: Oxhead and Horseface.
0: Is that one being that has an ox head with a horse face? <laughs> no, or it's, is it a Ox-headed being and a horse-faced being.
1: Yeah, the second one, the latter there. Uh, And they're tasked with guiding spirits to the underworld and capturing souls that have reached the end of earthly existence. They are mentioned in Journey to the West. I love mentioning Journey to the West because I've never read it. (laughs) Um, What is it? It's sort of the Chinese odyssey, if I could put it as basically as possible. I'm it's
0: horrifically uncultured, so that sounds great.
1: It's just like their epic poem. Okay. These two creatures are... <laughs> are you going to read it? I really want to. Yeah, All Zach... Right. On one, air. We'll uh, do it. Uh, the whole thing. The whole thing. <laughs> Zach, one of my friends, actually recommended it to me uh, a year or two ago. These two creatures are overthrown thrown by Sun Wukong, uh, who then grants second life to himself and his children. So I know that was very kind of rambly and disjointed, but w- what I'm trying to get to is that a that there is no really defined there is no definition of what a shinigami is or isn't. There's just this idea that when death happens, they are around and that they appear in several Asian cultures specifically after the sixteen hundreds or during the sixteen hundreds, I okay. should say. So they first show up, um, like I mentioned in I mentioned earlier with Chikamatsu Manzaman.
0: The famous amazing playwright. The playwright,
1: yeah. I really wish I had written this in a different order.
0: And Adam's notes strike again. <laughs>
1: okay. So in the cl- classic Japanese literature from the Edo period, you have something called the Ihan Hayaku Monogatari, which I think that was pretty good.
0: And it rolls off the
1: tongue. Uh, translated to the picture the picture book of 100 stories. It was published in 1841, which is near the end of this time Great. period. Uh, it's a book of stories about yokai. It's considered a supernatural bestiary, which interests me greatly and i would like to sort of dig into that a little bit more like the
0: one written by our famous
1: tiny the elder tiny the elder yeah the what was that called can't remember
0: but we've referenced it quite a few times
1: he's one of our favorites and this is the story they have about the shinigami the shinigami is the spirit of a deceased person who died with ill intention in their heart the spirit will possess people and manipulate their own malicious intent leading them to places where people have previously committed suicide hoping to continue the cycle
0: they're very similar to what we were talking about in my depressing Japanese Akihara. Uh, yeah, forest. the
1: Akiahara.
0: Yeah.
1: Um yeah, they sort of possess you, make you feel bad, and then like not only make you feel bad, but find that, that that feeling in you and bring it forward. Okay. Uh, to make you act upon it. They also in this story are described as having the ability to make it harder for their victim to speak or to like ask for help, which is Horrifying, and it's sort of like
0: it's like a physical representation of depression, yes, God, that's horrible, yeah,
1: they, they, they so
0: take this, for instance, it would be say someone close to you dies, you feel depressed, you would blame it on this spirit, and it would ju- not justify, but
1: uh it would just sort of it sounds like it sort of magnifies your bad feelings in this instance, and what's interesting about this is this is they're not generally seen as malicious creatures except like this is this is one instance where they're seen as 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 malicious (laughs) because this describes one but what's interesting about this is that since there are several shinigami according to quote on big air quotes lore yeah
0: shakespeare era
1: there is there's the opportunity to believe that this is one of several who is acting on upon malice or with ill intention okay So, yeah, so the Shinigami have the power to affect their victim's ability to speak, making it difficult for them to tell the truth, even. So they they enhance your ability to lie as well in this state. In this way, they interfere with victims being able to ask for help, which is very, very sad.
0: It is. I keep putting this in perspective and that this guy writing these was writing them pretty much at the same time that Shakespeare was writing.
1: Yeah. When I was doing some research on him, he comes up in conjunction with people looking for him. Alongside Shakespeare,
0: well, it seems like there's a lot of similar themes, a lot of similar.
1: It's interesting because they never would have interacted with each other. No, in but any way. you take
0: Romeo and Juliet, star-crossed lovers, yeah. suicide, uh, the invention of spirits.
1: I think it's it's because Shakespeare was writing dur- not during the Renaissance. Was it the Renaissance that Shakespeare was writing, or was it the Enlightenment that he was writing?
0: I probably okay. should know the difference between the two. I can tell you that he was writing during the Elizabethan era.
1: Okay. Sort of helpful. And
0: I don't think it could have been the Enlightenment era. No, that era, was way
1: earlier, wasn't because it? Because
0: I know that at that point they were shutting down a lot of theaters and things. Okay, so,
1: so I guess what we're seeing is, because England's culture was booming at that time as well. Yeah. You have absolutely. a lot of appreciation for theater and art. And for some reason, when things are going very well, people have the opportunity to focus on the, the negative side of, of human emotion.
0: So what you're saying is in 2020 we're going to find a lot less plays, but those that are written are going to be really positive.
1: Oh, God, I hope so. (laughs) God, I hope so. And so I found a, from that, I found a couple of modern interpretations of Shinigami. I found a specific one. It's just called The Candle Story. There's a man, and he's at the end of his rope, and he wants to end his own life. Uh, But a Shinigami visits him and tells him it's not your time, and he takes this man to a room full of candles, and he explains that humans only die when their candle burns down. So like the Greek fates, you yeah. only die when your thread runs out. And he tells the man, look, I I can help you make a lot of money by teaching you a few words that will allow you to stave off any illness or disease. So just pretend to be a doctor and you can get really rich. The guy goes, yeah, all right, that sounds fine. And so he pretends to be a doctor and makes a ton of money. Um, and basically what he's doing is he's going to people's bedsides and the Shinigami tells him, if you see any other Shinigami sitting at the foot of a person's bed, say these words and you can banish them back to the underworld. Okay. But if they're sitting at the head of the bed, that person is doomed to die. Okay. So what you see here is, well, firstly, you see Shinigami interfering with other Shinigami, that they have their own motives and personalities. Like
0: their own culture. Yeah. That society. They,
1: yeah. And that... The implication being that if a Shinigami is sitting at the foot of your bed, it might not be your time to die, but they will take that action anyway. They they have that ability, the ability to do that.
0: I thought the words were going to be "an apple a day keeps the doctor away." That's a,
1: it's unfortunate because I think this story was only written in the last like twenty years, and there's oh, really? n- it's it's relatively new from what I could tell.
0: Yeah,
1: um, but there I kind of w- like it. Yeah, but there's no um there's no indication as to what the words were, which kind of makes it more fun because it could just be "an apple a day keeps the doctor away." <laughs> Or like, ooga-booga-wooga-wooga, wooga. <laughs> just like some completely silly nonsense.
0: When you get sick and you're dying, I'm just going to up to your bed
2: and go, ooga-booga-wooga-wooga. Wow, wooga, I really step. hope
1: you don't have to live through that. Okay. <laughs> so one day he's called to a sick person's house, and he sees a Shinigami sitting at the head of the sick man's bed, which means that this man is doomed to die. The family pleads and pleads with him, and he keeps saying, no, I can't, I can't do it, I can't do it. And eventually they offer him such a large amount of money that his greed... Compels him to trick the Shinigami, so the Shinigami falls asleep, and he rotates the patient's bed, so that the Shinigami is no longer sitting at the head of the patient's bed, but at the feet, saving the man's life.
0: I'm assuming pissing Shinigami off. Yeah,
1: yeah. So the Shinigami is very, very angry, but in a sort of trickstery way, says, "Hey, to celebrate, you know, you pulling one over me, and the amount of money you just made, let's go for a drink." They don't go get a drink. The Shinigami takes the man to the candle room and shows him his candle, which is burnt down to just a stub, and says, "This is due to your actions. This this is because you have tricked me. I'm going to kill you now, basically." But he says, "You can extend your life if you take your burning candle and place it upon the candle of uh, upon another candle." So the man tries, and then he drops his candle and dies. The man dying here isn't what I found interesting, and it's not. The important bit of the story, although it, this does now imply that like, don't mess around with God's death because they're gonna they're gonna come back and get you.
0: Fairly common theme in everywhere. Yeah, the world. In,
1: in any God of Death story. But have it's, you
0: seen Final Destination? But it
1: is that, like you said, they have a culture. They're like they're, they work completely. Well, they work sort of alongside humans, but they completely independently have developed their own culture where they interact with each other in different ways. They're personalities conflict and their motives conflict
0: so interestingly because mine comes back there's a couple of bits in mind that made me think of supernatural the tv show which as anybody who's listened to the beginning knows that that's something we watch this kind of reminds me of a group of characters that they might actually introduce and in, introduce into supernatural
1: in 15 in season 15 not necessarily oh you mean that like they would be a creature that they hunt
0: yeah or, but that could be a longer standing because they have their own like angels, that are like demons. Demons. That, that,
1: my so this is a bit of a tangent, but one of my problems with supernatural is that it is a Western show. They very rarely talk about like creatures from Asia. They they do a few.
0: They do. They do the. There's the one with the like ring girl with
1: the ring ghost. Uh,
0: we talked about at one point.
1: One second, you might have to edit this out, but I think I have the name of that written down.
0: I I know we talked about it. We talked about I think it was me that did the episode.
1: Yeah, you did. Oh, never mind. I don't have it written down. Um, but yeah, they, they do that, and then they do another another one. But most of the creatures are either American, Native American, or European. I think like Rugaroo, yeah. Wendigos, and stuff like that are all, all based on like Native American folklore. Vampire. I mean, Bram Stoker was like from like the like from the inner city of England. So like I don't know. That's, that's like a, a Ooh, vampire. Yeah, that might be something we touch on. That's just, I feel like they missed a big, a wide area of conversation, and they just didn't, they just didn't do it, which has always been, anyway, the more that we talk about,
0: I know what you are,
1: the more, say it, the, say big, it, a big, a big nerd, vampire, a vampire, oh, oh my god,
0: <laughs> sorry, everybody,
1: cut that out, see, I know that you probably, well, you know this about me and that I do enjoy watching anime. I think you know that about me. That's yes. that, that's generally my guilty pleasure to watch when you and Ben are on vacation. You can't talk about Shinigami without talking about a couple of animes. I'm going to specifically touch on one called Death Note. This is where you see a drastic reinterpretation of Shinigami. Okay. You see them as powerful actors. In a, not completely different because it does sort of tie into the Candle story, but they're seen as powerful actors with personality and motivation. So one of the main characters in Death Note is the Shinigami Ryuk. And the Shinigami are seen as living in this ethereal world. It's not heaven, it's not hell, it's a bit like Purgatory and Supernatural because it's all gray. And that's, they just sort of wander around with their with their Death Notes, which are notebooks. Um, and when you write a person's name into it, they die. That's sort of the basic.
0: So those do sound quite grim, reaper.
1: A bit, yeah. But the thing is that they're not like these Shinigami aren't necessarily tasked with leading you on. They just sort of do it for. I mean, like they are responsible for leading people on, but it's like it's almost like they. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain because I also haven't watched it in a a few years. Okay. Um. Uh, yes, a bit grim reaper, but that tie is always going to be there whenever you talk about characters or creatures that are associated with death. So Ryu gets bored living in the Shinigami realm. And he's interested in manipulating Earth. He thinks that humans and their emotions and their motives are, are I think he describes them as interesting. And so he drops his death note onto Earth, hoping, to be, hoping that it will be found by someone who can be seduced by its power. And it is. Good. Uh, amb- or else
0: the story would have been very short. Yes.
1: An ambi- this is what's, what's kind of scary about it, um, is that it's picked up by an ambitious high school student who finds the Death Note and then decides to enforce his own arbitrary moral code onto the onto Japan? And so, what he does is he starts killing criminals, people that are in custody, uh, people that are already in prison. Do they
0: drop dead in like a way that you would know that? Do they just drop dead? There's no medical cause? Or no. Do they look murdered? Is it an accident?
1: So there, there are a few few rules to the death note. Uh, you have to know the person's name, and you have to know what their face looks like. Okay. So you have to be able to picture them when you're writing their name down. Okay. You, write down, you can write down their name, the date, and then time of death. And if it could physically happen, that's how they die. So if there's a prisoner, and you say, I want such and such prisoner to get hit by a dump truck, He's just going to have a heart attack. If the if the conditions of the death note can't be met, they die of a heart attack forty seconds later.
0: And is does then the name disappear, or is the notebook itself just got lists of people that died in it?
1: Uh, the notebook fills up, but it has like an unlimited. It's it's a magical notebook, so like the the you never fill it up. You yeah, just definitely. keep going and going and going. But the one that Light Yagami, who's the high schooler who finds it, um. His is empty when he picks it up. And it has, like, the rules written inside. Yeah. So he decides that he's going to become basically the new god of the world and goes through this whole character arc of becoming morally bankrupt, deciding that criminals' lives are... And so this is, like, the moral argument of, like, killing criminals or whatever. That's, like, the whole thing. Um, But importantly, you have Shinigami in this world that you have Ryuk who's actively working through this high schooler to to bring death to bring people to death earlier. And you have other shinigami who are like trying to stop like you have one Shinigami who tries to stop them. I just I like the conflict. I like the idea of gods with personality. That's why I find like the monotheistic gods, it's like gods to be kind of boring. Okay. Because they're just like on pinnacles. But you you have mean like...
0: ones that actually have like a, a, a human
1: motive? Yeah, I like the Greek gods. I like I like the uh, Roman gods. I like shiny. Chenig- I like things that that like have conflict within their own. Like,
0: and I'm sure they like you too.
1: Uh, I hope so. So yeah, the the Death Note. Um, that's as far as I'm going to go into that specific anime. But the Death Note itself sort of ties back into traditional Japanese ritualistic curses, which I didn't know was a thing. There's a shrine, an hour and a half outside of Tokyo, called the Kudoda Inari Shrine. And when you walk in, apparently you just see wooden plaques. I think they're called wood horses, just all hung hanging all over the walls. And generally, in a shrine like this, you go and it's a place where people will write their wishes.
0: Yeah, I've been to shrines. Okay, like that.
1: so this place is a little bit more malevolent than malevolent than that. And you go; they're called tie-cutting shrines. And so you go in, and I've got some examples here of what you might read on some of these plaques. Yay! I hate you, I hate you, I hate you from the bottom (laughs) of my heart, and I pray that you disappear from this world as quickly as possible.
0: Written by 13-year-old girls everywhere.
1: She must be distanced from all paths leading to happiness. I will never let you become happy. May you suffer for the rest of your life to appease, to atone for my tears and agony.
0: Written by 19-year-old boys everywhere.
1: And then you have some that say, I pray Okabe dies in an accident. So the person who wrote this article said that they went in and got like physically ill reading these, these sort of – they're called tie-cutting shrines because, yes, in a certain way you are praying death on another person and maybe that's the tie you're trying to cut. But the argument that I would make is that you're, tr- you're almost emotionally trying to cut that part of your life out. Which I think is kind of healthy in a way. Like it's, yeah, mm-hmm. sure, sure. It's angry, and it's a, and it is like I would never sign my name on something like that if I left it in a shrine. Some people did. It, some people <laughs> did sign their names on it, but I think that what you what you would find is that if these people had violence, like say potentially violence in their hearts, like I think that like that sort of expulsion of emotion is is cathartic and like would maybe they. The, so
0: what's weird though is it does seem to go against. A lot of what Japanese culture is about, because most of what I saw when I went to shrines—and bearing in mind I didn't know these things existed—there's like three I didn't or four them out, out for them. But what I saw was a lot of people praying for health, for family oh. members, good wishes.
1: So there was—sorry to interrupt—but there was one that said, "I pray that my family's ties with depression and bipolar disorder come to an end." So, okay. so tie cutting written
0: by mothers everywhere. <laughs>
1: so tie cutting shrine, yeah. I'm sure that there are a lot of people who go there angry and hurt and sad, but I'm sure there are people who go there and just say like, "Yeah, you no, know, my family's sick. I don't want my family to be sick anymore. Please cut this part of my life out." Mm-hmm. So, like, I think it's just an exercise in catharsis, which I think is kind of nice. If you know, maybe a little angry. We've all been there. Oh, but that's actually um, that's a very old ritual. Um. <laughs> That's actually, yeah, a very old Japanese ritual. There were a few more, but they all get kind of dark, and I didn't really want to talk about oh, them. Oh,
0: yeah, because that wasn't dark?
1: Well, that's super dark. Because, like, there are some, like, okay, so I did write one down. The Ushino Kokumairi, which is the shrine visit at the I- the hour of the ox, where you make a straw effigy of a person you're angry with, usually a scorned lover, and then you nail it to a tree outside of their house.
0: I've got tree nailing in mine.
1: Oh, do you? <laughs> Oh, amazing!
2: Oh my God, twinsies! Um,
1: yeah. So that's sort of Shinigami. Um, cool. I I like them. I like them in a way that I don't like the Grim Reaper, because I think the Grim Reaper is just a little boring. He just is sort of like doing his own thing, being a boring old guy. And you got Shinigami who are like having like infights, and they're all spiteful. And yeah,
0: they've got more character depth.
1: Thanks, Japan.
0: Well done, Japan. As always, providing us great topics one week to the next.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I think this is, what, our third or fourth Japanese? We can't seem to
1: get away from it.
0: No. Maybe we'll try and take a break. From Japan? Yeah. Yeah. Mainly because I can't pronounce it. So let's yeah,
1: try. it makes Two it sound kind of break. dumb.
0: A few weeks break. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, that was good. Thank you. I like it.
1: I like them too.
0: All right. I'm doing duckies. Also, if you
1: haven't watched it, go watch Death Note because it's fantastic.
0: I haven't watched it. Probably won't. But if I can make a plea for everybody to please go watch Supernatural, and the then you and won't I. have to listen to us.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But please keep listening to us. Maybe while you're watching Supernatural.
0: All right. Can't decide if I'm hot or cold today.
1: That's because this office sucks.
0: Don't say that about my office. It's beautiful, <laughs> it wonderful.
1: Like a locker room.
0: Well, that's because you and Ben are usually in here. All right. How rude. So I'm going to talk about duppies. 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 Now, I will say that I actually did my homework on time and I did this about two weeks ago before the world started to burn and the uh, racial riots in the States and here in the UK and really all around the world became front page news. This is actually, I'm going to be talking about spirituality in the Jamaican culture. So I'm really, I'm not sure how this ties into what's going on. It doesn't deliberately. No. But it's a really interesting. I, I, I thought it was interesting. It's about Jamaican spirituality and Caribbean spirituality okay. and Caribbean ghosts. Bring it. All right. I like Jamaica. i spent quite <laughs> a lot of time there. If I can get anywhere at any point in my life, it's head to Jamaica. So, but none of the stuff I knew. I will say that we have been to the White Hall in Jamaica, Rose Hall which is uh, the Rose Hall in Jamaica, which is the home of the White Witch. And that is a fairly famous ghost story about a slave owner who was having affairs with her slaves and went through multiple husbands and killed a lot of them. And to all accounts was just a horrific human. And one day her slaves revolted and killed her. However, there is no historical evidence for any of this. Uh, The woman really didn't exist. So... That's not what we're going into. I was, I did think I would vaguely talk about that, but I remembered having done the tour that even on the tour, everyone said, This is just,
2: it's just folklore,
0: just fairy tale. I'm fairly modern fairy tale yeah. as well. So I'm going to go back in time a lot further and talk about duppies. They, oh, let me, I'm trying to be good at this. So let me tell you where I got my information.
1: I'm I didn't gonna, do any of that.
0: I'm going to stop looking at you because I know when I look at you, the sound changes. Okay. Uh, real com, the jamaican library and jamaican star news which is obviously the jamaican newspaper the jamaican star news i i don't know much about it has an editorial i'm gonna read you one of my favorite titles which was ghosts are cutting up my panties
2: <laughs> okay cool so sounds legit
0: it's not super highbrow no I'm also not going to try and read you any of the articles because they are written as they would be said in patois, which is a dialect. It And I am not... there in At no time do I think it would be fair to butcher a language as badly as I would be butchering. But I've also got a funny feeling that it would probably be considered really highly inappropriate no, right we, now.
1: I don't think... I'm not even gonna. We'll just cut there and move on. Okay.
0: So I had a poem. No. I wasn't even gonna read it before all of this because I couldn't get through it. Did you
1: translate it into Western?
0: No. It. It. The thing about it is though, and and maybe this is maybe because I can read Patois, but I can't read say Japanese. I can see that when you translate it into English, English it it totally fails to do justice to what the
1: you lose a lot of
0: the who the people were what no, no, so, yeah
1: you lose a lot of context and significance of words and stuff like yeah, that
0: yeah so it's just not worth it so i'm going to give you kind of synopsises when we get to that kind of stuff cool. as opposed to giving you any real information
1: next week we'll have a poem promise <laughs> I
0: promise this is we've done the odd episode without a poem i think Maybe it's, been,
1: we'll, it's been rare i didn't do well. an episode or a, a, a poem last week i did or 3 weeks ago whatever.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay, duppies. They originated in central Africa. Um and duppy is part of the Bantu folklore. It the word duppy originates from the Ga language, as most of the African folklore and culture in Jamaica from comes from the Ashanti people in Ghana and in the language of Ga of Ghana it lit uh, a dope which I guess is where Duppy comes from literally means dwarf. And in Gahinian folklore, spirits are dwarves. So All of them. I, I guess so. I didn't go down that route hmm. because obviously once slavery brought people to Jamaica and they were removed from their ancestral ideas of what this was, they, they created their own yeah. folklore behind this stuff. And, and as it's evident, a lot of the folklore created is to do with the slave trade. So, yeah. So they generally believe that people are possessing of two souls, a good soul and an earthly soul. In death, the good soul goes to heaven to be judged by God, while the earthly spirit remains for three days in the coffin with the body, where it may escape if proper precautions are not taken and appear as a duppy.
2: Hmm.
0: There are two types of duppy. The good duppies are usually deceased family and friends who appear in your dreams in order to give you advice or information. Sometimes the good duppies will help you with um, a family sickness or uh, they can actually be a healing spirit. The other side of that is obviously the bad duppy. And generally that's what, when you hear the word duppy, they're not referring to the good spirits. Okay. Okay. So I think technically a duppy can be good, but pretty much.
1: That sounds a lot like what we've talked about with, with Japanese folklore. Is yeah. That when you have two spirits in you, and you have the good spirit and the bad spirit, and when you die, unless you, like you said, take very important precautions, they can sort of escape and wreak havoc on the material world.
0: So this kind of, I guess, religion or spirituality, I think is called O-B-E-A-H. Mm-hmm. And... The obese men or women can, in fact, summon the duppies to do harm in exchange for payment of food or drink, especially rum. They are said; the duppies are said to live at the roots of cotton trees and bamboo thickets, where they emerge in the nights or at midday. And we'll go more into the cotton tree thing because that's really interesting. If the duppy manifests in human form, it will often resemble the body it abandoned. If animalistic, it might appear in the guise of a snake, a lizard, a horse. One of the articles from the Jamaican star actually talks about a man who I believe works in a graveyard and he never believed in ghosts and he heard horse hoofs, and he looked outside and there was a small figure running down the road who was not a horse. He was a human. And then he transformed into a bird. Hmm. So it's very closely tied with this idea of transfiguration. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So here, well-intentioned duppies might stick around, stick around to sit with the children, guard the family's valuables, um, babysit, basically.
2: Yeah. Sounds nice.
0: Yeah. Uh, and a malevolent duppy will cause you no end of trouble. A whiff of its hot, hot breath has the power to kill, and it can do irreparable damages to one's finances, health, property, or love life. Finances. Yep. Mm. Um, a dead. Husband Duppy, for instance, might return to claim his conjugal rights, causing his widow to become barren well before her time or worse, bear dead babies. Oh my god. Okay. Since it's impossible to know whether you'll end up with a good one or a bad one, we're going to tell you how to not end up with one at all. Sweet. So, you have three days to put the Duppy down. Okay. And it's called Plant the Duppy Down. A properly planted Duppy is unable to leave its coffin. These methods of planting the duppy down have had success in, a, in the past. You can throw a shovel full of parched peas into the grave. If the peas don't grow, the duppy can't escape. Although I assume that means if the peas do grow, you got a duppy on your hands. Plant a shrub upside down in the grave with the roots sticking out the ground. Again, it doesn't grow. It can't escape. Plant a Place a cotton tree limb on the coffin. And if planting a duppy down isn't always possible, there are some options to outwit it. Okay, so how do you know if you've got a duppy? This is a very practical how-to I'm giving you
1: today. Yeah, I I like having the the rules.
0: This is is not some mythical thing. This Mm -mm. is real practical how-to today. So how do you know if you have a duppy? Tell me. So duppies talk in a high-pitched nasal voice. You may be in the presence of a duppy if your head feels like it's growing, or if you feel unexplained heat affecting your body. Also, if your dog whines or howls at night.
1: So if you suffer from vertigo.
0: Maybe, yeah. It's also a sure sign you have a duppy if you get a spider across your face at night. And here's some ways that you can, say, prevent. There's quite a lot of ways that you can.
1: If it's already escaped.
0: If it's already escaped. If you've missed your opportunity, here's what you're going to do. And some of these, by the way, might sound a little familiar. Great. Okay. Here's the less familiar ones. Climb a tree.
1: A cotton tree or just any tree? Any tree. Oh.
0: Uh, cut the sign of the cross ten times in the dirt with a knife. A duppy can't count past nine, so it will get confused. <laughs> Apparently, this is a common way to deal with a duppy, is to just confuse it. That's
1: kind of like a fairy thing, isn't it? Like when you mm-hmm. throw salt, like a grain of sugar at the yeah. fairy and they have to stop and count everything. Um,
0: Exactly. That's the next one. Oh, okay. Cast peas, rice, or sand before a pursuing duppy. Uh, The duppy must count the grains, thereby granting its victim precious time to escape. If the duppy is inside a dwelling, expel it by burning cow dung mixed with hoof and horn. Pretty much expel anybody.
2: Oh my
1: gosh.
0: Brew tea with magical herbs. What kind of herbs? Doesn't say. Wash yourself with the same water used to cleanse a dead person. And shout these, this is another one shout these words from an unknown tongue. And I'm really sorry. I think this is not meant to be in any language, so I don't think I'm butchering it. ig no ring ya no bar ditos doranti That's
1: Enochian, Dora. <laughs> Obviously.
2: <laughs> oh my god.
0: <laughs> it's gonna happen to me now. Okay. Uh, so, water is a really big... Like, you have to be careful with water and duppies. Before you throw the water out at night, you must be careful to warm the duppies... So that they don't get wet, because then they may come looking for you as retribution.
1: If you get them wet?
0: Yeah, if you just throw it out the window. So they're kind of like grandma's.
1: What if they're all? If they're already... Okay, sorry. <laughs> I was just thinking, if they're already after you, and then you get them wet. Or maybe it's if you have the good ones and you get them no, wet? No, no,
0: no. You wash yourself with the same water used to cleanse a dead person. Yeah. But you throw water... If you get them in water, then they're going to go after you. Okay. This is how not to piss off a Got you,
1: puppy. got you, got you. Okay.
0: Stones must not be thrown at noon or night. And one should never sit on the threshold of a door, as a duppy will walk over you and injure you. Uh, other ways to get rid of them nailing a horseshoe to the house. And here we go. Duppies desert, despise salt. Eating salt will help you uh, chase away a duppy. You can also put salt on the ground. Mm,
1: very so familiar. Or we'll
0: put it in a circle, and put then it, the ghost can't get to you. Wear it
1: in a hula hoop. Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, you can also wear your clothes inside out or shame a duppy by cursing or exposing your private parts. Oh. So, guys, if you're ever in Jamaica and what you see is someone throwing salt in the ground swearing while naked, probably they're a little worried about duppies. And the Jamaican woman who wrote in the Jamaican star about the ghost cutting up her panties, um, she believed in fallen angels had become duppies in her house. And no one was, she was upset because no one was taking her seriously.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: She possibly employed every single one of these tactics. I'm thinking no one was taking her seriously or by anything. towards the end of it. Yeah. Not to judge. She sounded <laughs> the other The other ones didn't sound as, <laughs> um, like the man who picked up a duppy prostitute.
1: Oh yeah, I believe that.
0: He seemed legit they even when they went back and questioned the other prostitutes that worked that beat mm-hmm. he was a truck driver apparently he picked up a prostitute every night he couldn't believe his luck cuz this woman was so attractive so he got her into the cab of his truck and then she disappeared um apparently she was the name uh, she was a recently deceased prostitute and the other prostitutes knew exactly who it was wow so you know okay
1: spiritualism and all that
0: so that's kind of my how to of duppies yep now I'm going to go into the more creepy, mm-hmm. that was the practical guide, now we're going to go into the legend.
1: Well, now that stuff, we know how to deal with it. You can't can, scare. Yeah, you can't scare us anymore. No.
0: I'm no. not scared anymore. So, uh, there are a significant amount of duppy stories in various forms. I mean, we've touched upon three. By the way, all three of the articles I've talked about were actually within the last six months.
1: Oh, so they're like This very is a prevalent. current,
0: really prevalent thing. I can only think that the Jamaican star is maybe like National Enquirer.
1: Okay,
0: uh, I'm sorry if I got that wrong. Someone correct me, but so there's a few sayings and proverbs uh, that contain references to duppies, and they've been around for a very, very long time. Uh, there was one story about someone I think from the Jamaican tourism site said the woman who did your tour said, "Well told, uh, well told duppy story can make the greatest spe- skeptic get goosebumps." I caution, was cautioned one night not to pick up any women in white dresses along a d- certain dark stretch of road as a duffy had been plaguing the ta- taxi men in that vicinity. She would get into your vehicle and your head would start to grow. This seems to be like a thing. And look around and you'd be gone. If you didn't stop to pick her up, she'd try and get in through the cracks in the window.
2: Mm.
0: Okay, spirituality in the cotton tree. This is not just Jamaica, this is in Africa and a lot of places um in jamaica this huge enormous buttress tree is believed to be the place of spirits of the dead particularly in its roots and branches simply put the cotton tree is the home of duppies it's associated with a particular duppy spirit old Hig, he- he- old, old heeg which i'm going to talk about in a minute i'm sorry if i pronounced that wrong where it's said that she hangs her skin and the roland calf i'm also going to talk about in a minute Is said to inhabit the roots, uh, its roots during the day when it's not roaming. The idea of duppies inhabiting the cotton tree is a remnant of the English invasion of Jamaica. Legend has it is when the English invaded Jamaica in 1655, the fleeing span the fleeing Spanish buried their treasures, and a cotton tree marks the site of those troves. It's believed that the Spanish used slaves to dig the hole for the treasure, and when this task was completed. He killed the slave and buried him in the base of the cotton tree too to guard the treasure forever. If anyone tries to dig the spots for treasure, the ghost would cause the treasure to sink deeper unless that person had the secret password. Usually, of course, the person digging would also end up dead.
2: Pretty nefarious.
0: It's also the place that you can communicate with the spirits of the dead. Ubia and Myla are two Jamaican... My... Are two Jamaican traditions that associate with spirits and therefore make use of the cotton tree in their ways of worshipping. Um, the Obayemen men, use the cotton tree to cast an evil spell on people by dragging a nail into the tree and calling upon an evil spirit to cast the person's soul from their body and to dwell in the cotton tree. In this case, the cotton tree is used for soul catching. Mayal, on the other hand, M Y A L, on the other hand, use the cotton tree to free the soul. In their tradition, believers sprinkle rum, play drums, shakers, and dance around the cotton Uh Owing to the cotton tree's association with duppies, one has to take great precautions when handling it. If a canoe is being dug out from it, the cutter must know the ritual for this task so that harm does not befall him. If a cotton tree is to be cut down, a libation of rum and chicken and corn must be poured and the cutters deeply imbibe this serves to appease the spirits and ensure the safety of the cutters used to fell the dead tree.
1: It sounds like carpenters just want to get drunk.
0: I'm not sure that getting a really drunk on Jamaican rum is the way to ensure anyone's safety. But...
1: <laughs> That's so good, though. It's,
0: there's a lot of just-drink rum in this story.
1: That's fine. I support that.
0: Okay. Okay. One of the most frightening and fearful of the Jamaican duppies is the Roland Calf, or if we're pronouncing it i guess in the western way the roaring calf the roland calf is described as having red blazing eyes and taking the form of various animals such as dog hog goat horse bull but the most dangerous being the cat it is also said to have the power to grow in size from small animals to large animals while also appearing as a headless goat and it could be black white or spotted they usually have pieces of chain attached to their necks rattle can be heard by the people it is believed that they are devil spirits who settle at the root of the cotton trees at night. And historically, it mainly emerges during crop time on sugar estates because of its fondness for molasses. It lay down, blocking the person's path. And one of the ways to get rid of it is to flog him with the left hand because he's said to be afraid of a tarred whip. Others also claim that he's fearful of the moon. He has brewed in the minds of many who have claimed to see him and heard stories of his sightings. It is in a lot of poems and songs, and like I said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Um, You can actually escape him in the ways that we've talked about already, drop objects for him to count, um, or get to a crossroads, open a penknife and stick it in the ground. Now, here's the thing. They don't actually say why it's dangerous. Oh. So I read quite a lot of information on him, and I think he might be the one that can kill you with his hot breath. Okay. But mostly it seems like a sugar-hungry animal. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of information. Everyone's terrified of him. Apparently it's one of the scariest duppies you can see. But I didn't actually find any examples of what this duppy then does
1: to you. Hmm. This is the this is the one the goat one that you, you just It's
0: called a rolling ro- roaring calf and it can be a dog, horse, goat, cat.
1: Can all the duppies shift like um well, change I mean, shape like that?
0: We talked a little bit about how a duppy will often take the shape of the animal it might
2: be the spirit of. Hmm.
0: So it's quite weird and but I think what's really interesting about it and and probably very relevant today, is that The amount of symbolism in there that is actually to do with slave sugar harvest, uh, whipping with tarred whips, Um, and I I think it was perhaps one of those things that spun out of basically a slavery campfire story that you might, you know. Yeah. So that's the Roland cuff. Uh, there's another one called river mama who just kind of sounds more fun and she is likely to have rid- risen from the story of a mermaid she is one of the most documented figures in german uh, jamaican folklore and is regarded with much fear and sacredness according to legend she lives at the fountainhead of a large water source of large water sources in jamaica and is usually seen sitting on top of a rock combing out her long black tresses with a golden comb her appearances usually are at midday. However, she disappears as she observes anyone approaching. Conversely, if an intruder sees her first and their eyes meet, terrible things will happen to the person who sees mm. In times gone by, people will go to the rivers at stated times to sing, dance, and bring food for the river. mother. In addition, the fish of the river she inhabits were regarded as her children and should not be touched for fear of suffering as a consequence. And it's believed that if she was ever caught, the river would run dry. So your basic water
2: nymph thing.
0: Nymph ghost thing. There's a legend in Jamaica about the gold round golden table and it's associated with the River Mama story. And it's believed that wherever the River Mama resides, if the fountain was deep enough, a blue golden uh, deep and blue enough, a golden table would be found. At midday, the table appears at the surface of the water. However, as soon as it's disturbed, it quickly sunk. There is a story of an attempt of a sugar estate owner to retrieve the golden table using oxen and chains to pull it out. However, after it was hitched, it drew the oxen embracing several yokes to the bottom of the river with it. The golden table is believed to have been deposited by the Spaniards who were fleeing from the island when the English invaded
2: Hmm.
0: So... I mean, I think generally the the English invasion of 1655 and uh, the Spaniards' departure is at the root
2: of a lot of this. Yeah, a lot of the folklore.
0: A lot of this folklore. And I it's like many things to do with folklore that we're finding uh, in periods of upheaval, um, certainly when there's not science to explain it, uh, mythology.
2: Takes its place.
0: Yeah. The last one I'm going to tell you about is O'Higgy. Higgy which is believed to be a witch or sorceress who enjoys humans and preys especially on infants. Also referred to as Old Suck, she preys on people while they are sleeping, flying in in the form of an owl, shedding her skin and sucking the breath of her victim. She uh, particularly goes after mothers and their infants. And also is not just in Jamaica and the Caribbean. She's present in West Africa and other societies in Africa. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, possibly to explain...
2: Sudden infant death syndrome.
0: Um, Or maybe I assume that perhaps, I have no knowledge of this, but I assume that the rates of infant mortality were very, very high during plantation and slavery. Yeah. And and again, having something to blame it on, some figure.
2: Some outside force.
0: (laughs) Okay. I'm gonna. Uh, I I wanted to follow up with kind of two separate other Jamaican folk because we'll never get back to them, so it's worth kind of getting them now. Briefly mentioning them now because they're kind of interesting. So the first one is nine nights, which is the ritual for mourning your dead. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, it was the celebration that lasted nine nights. Uh, with the ninth and final night being the night before the church service funeral. Um, Many uh, modern islanders only now celebrate for seven days and seven nights. On the ninth night, the family would prepare the food for all to come. It was believed that on the ninth night, the spirit of the deceased passes through the party, gathering food and saying goodbye before continuing on its resting place. It's the most revered night of the celebration and funeral uh, when stories about the, the deceased are told and the fondest memories are shared, along with prayers, games, sing, singing, the it allows the good spirit
2: to pass through
0: mm-hmm. um, and the duppy won't be created.
1: Oh, so the duppy's... Okay, I thought You've it...
0: You've got to do a whole load of stuff to to let the good spirit go up
1: uh-huh. to heaven. And then that does... When the good spirit goes to heaven, does that trap the duppy and the... Or no. do you still have to do all that stuff too?
0: I don't know. So, I actually, I was trying to figure out whether people still in Jamaica will bury a plant upside down. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, there are examples of that because yeah. people still believe in it. But I couldn't find... Ninth Night seems to be a very... It continues to be... A,
1: a very important tradition. A very
0: important tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, I will say that I, I think this particular piece of article, I actually got off the Catholicism website. And it was really derogatory about the fact that they get very drunk doing it
1: ah because catholics never get drunk
0: yeah it was quite dismissive dismissive of the traditions um okay so these are some of the more modern not modern ways to celebrate but on the ninth night a table is set up under a tent with food for the loved one although no one is allowed to eat from it before midnight which believes to be the time that the spirit passes through Along with the food are drinks, most often Jamaican rum, with no less than 100% proof. The main foods can vary, but typically fried fish, bammy, uh, typical Jamaican... Fair. Bulk. Fair. Um, it's very important because it's the time. But in order for the deceased person to move on, there is this like actual process. First, there is the seeing. This is when someone looks at the doorway and sees the spirit. Then they tell someone, and that person tells someone, and so on. The leader of the ceremony greets the duppy, and then the night song begins. This song is, this is a song played for the duppy while he or she is told stories by the elders. Traditionally, on the ninth night, the deceased died uh, of the deceased's death in their bed, and mattress is turned up against the wall in order to encourage the spirit to leave the house, enter the grave, and move on. Then the leader of the ceremony uses a piece of white chalk to draw a cross over the exit so that the spirit is allowed to leave and never allowed to return. So it's an interesting burial rite, really, kind of
1: Yeah.
0: I, very different.
1: And I, I I always appreciate burial rites like that as well. Sort of more celebratory and, and mourning.
0: And and I think that, that was where the Catholicism side was coming from. Oh, yeah. Was that this was definitely I mean, the Jamaican I'm culture. Sure
1: they would have viewed it as nearly disrespectful to do something like that, yeah. wouldn't they? Yeah, and
0: the Jamaican side would view it would be the most respectful thing to celebrate someone's life.
1: It's, cultures are different, and that's really nice.
0: Yeah, um, so I kind of liked that. I'm kind of trying to fos- finish up on, like, a two more positive notes. Okay, there's also a West Indian astrologist, which is apparently a big thing. It's the OB. And it's a secret art and system of prediction by planetary influence. It involves using the use of charms, spells, incarnations, love presents, and it has bewitchings as well as fortune tellings of dice, tea, and coffee. I'm sorry, it, what? It's like a witchcraft. Uh, they have like an astrology. It Just when I read it, it reminds me of, you know, the scene in Harry Potter where she's reading her tea leaves. Yes. So there's a whole like group of people. Okay. That read coffee and tea leaves. That's what I thought you said. Predictions and use the planets to... Okay. They observe good and ill fortune related to the days, weeks, and months and help you embark on important things like marriage. There are lucky days. So I'm just going to tell you about the lucky days. The day of the week in which you were born will always be the best day to begin any business, Hmm. but not to end it. Fridays and uh, Tuesdays are best for women. Sunday and Mondays for men. There are three months in the year in which one must not reckon fortune to enter a new house or sign a lease. Those are April, July, November. Mm. Neither is the 11th of any month good for such projects. Women, be careful about when what you transect in the 31st year of your life. For to all females, it's a year of real importance, whether they are married or single. Some great change will await them, or they will lay under peril or temptation, have a great loss or a great pain, go on an unexpected journey, or in short, something remarkable will happen to you. Um, dark complexioned women have a generally stronger fate than others. I just, I, I was going for practical. That's
1: Those are some
2: practical <laughs>
0: pieces of advice. Yeah, I
1: really do need that Sunday and Monday. Knowledge. So Sunday,
0: Monday are good for you, Adam. Yeah. I need to work out more on, uh, do more business on Fridays and Tuesdays. And
1: never, hopefully your house doesn't sell. in. <laughs>
0: never move into a new house. Well, to be fair, I don't think it says never sell a house. But uh, never move into a new house in April, July, or November. Oh. And don't sign a lease on the 11th, guys. And if it's the 11th of April, July, or November, no.
1: Definitely don't.
0: Wait till the next day. It's fine. 100% no. Um, I think it's interesting that the 31st year, is an important year for all women it's it seems very arbitrary on the face of it but i was trying to think about it from the perspective of my friends because we're all just a little fraction past 31 now but i think it's probably very telling that your early 30s are the time where your life is in transition the most yeah i think I I couldn't figure out when they said this because I'm assuming in the 1655 era, probably 31 would be the equivalent of being 50 now. Yeah, but 30 now. The new 20 is the new 20. Um, so it seems to me that that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so I'm glad it. I don't have to worry about turning 31.
0: He's young, everyone. In
1: four years.
0: <laughs> All right. So that was my that was my thing about Jamaican. I liked that. folklore.
1: Thank you for that.
0: And ghost stories. And like I said, very uh, timely in a not really meant to be timely way. I mean, I think it's always good to appreciate different cultures. Yeah. And we do a lot of that here. And I think that um, it's important to remember where people came from and what's going on. Bigger and deeper than just... (laughs) <laughs> what you are seeing today, because these beliefs are 400, 500, 600 years old, at least. Mm-hmm. And they're still being written about in newspapers today.
1: Yeah, they're obviously still culturally important.
0: And that shouldn't be discounted just because it's history.
1: Nope.
0: All right. So, that was legendary. I believe Adam has already picked our topic for next week.
1: Yeah. Um. So, I sort of want to... I sort of fell down this fish rabbit hole yesterday or two days ago. A fish hole. A fish hole. I fell down a fish hole yesterday, and I don't necessarily... I'm not saying that you have to pick a fish, but <laughs> I, would, I would like to do an episode where you sort of find a legend or legends and then oh, tie fish. it back to an animal.
0: Okay. What's your... Le-
1: I'm going to do the fish, which...
0: Okay, I'm up for doing something fishy.
1: Okay, you also want to do a fish?
0: Because, kind of, I read a book
1: when I was really young. Once Once, once, I read a book.
0: Once I read a book. I read a book when I was really young, and it was about the idea and theory that people evolved from dolphins, I believe. Okay. Fish and being beside the water.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, go ahead and do that.
0: If I can find what I'm talking about. Um. I remember when I read it, I thought, this seems quite legit. <laughs> but in retrospect, as an adult, I'm probably thinking it was... Quite dumb. Quite dumb. A little silly. So it might be worth me having a look into it and seeing whether the passage of time...
1: Has aged. If that if that theory has aged well. Yeah. I doubt that it has.
0: I really doubt it, too. But you know what? you got to tune in. To to fi- subscribe. Yeah,
1: figure out whether or not... Next week we both believe that we evolved from dolphins.
0: Yep. So guys hit the subscribe the the, the hit the subscribe button.
1: We'll see you next week. Great
0: reviewers. Bye. Bye.